0: How do you control your inner narrative? You know, that inner voice that comes with us on all our adventures, challenges, and mistakes. Creating awareness of that conversation you are allowing yourself to have within is a crucial practice to learn in life. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, and Barnes & Noble. I also have some fun news starting January 10th, I'll be hosting a free book club. My book is broken down into four parts, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, burnout, and darkness. And yep, for four straight weeks, we'll meet once a week and go through the book together. You can grab the link in the show notes to sign up. With me today is Allie McPhee, brand and business strategist who leads the marketing efforts at New Street, a startup company building media and cross-marketplace data resources for collectibles, such as NFTs, sneakers, trading cards, and more. On today's episode, Ali and I will be chatting about accepting the awkward and stepping into a new mindset of being completely you. Here we go. Ali, thank you so much for being here on Speak Kindly. You're listening. Yeah, thank you
1: for having me. I was so excited when we first got in touch and hearing from you. I love consuming content and people who are working on podcasts, so I'm really happy to be able to contribute.
0: Awesome. Tell me a little bit about that inner gremlin voice that you've experienced. Is there a point in time that stands out to you that it was really loud or really angry or those moments in time where you're just like, why am I speaking to myself like that? Yeah.
1: So I think something that I've experienced and I know a lot of my friends have as well is for context, I'm like 23 years old. I graduated from college in 2021, so I was very much like seeing that whole TikTok craze and the whole idea of becoming a content creator and consumer while I was still in a very day-to-day in-person social setting. And because of that, I think a lot of the times, the people I was surrounded with generated a interesting take on what it means to be a content creator, to put yourself out there in certain situations and to be vulnerable and because of that positioning i think that i talk to myself very negatively when it comes to finding an authentic voice online how to construct that conversation about who you are in your career and how you can work with others and there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes into that if you don't have an exactly distinguished way to prove your worth and your authenticity and like your authority in the field so yeah that's that's a kind of a general thing but i've noticed that a lot of my friends as well will be working in marketing or working in a place or industry where it would be beneficial for them to like create the personal brand, create content. And it's kind of like looked down upon or even like, oh, like, it's just a weird, interesting narrative. So because of that, it makes you question like, okay, like, what exactly am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Do I actually have anything to be sharing? And your inner gremlin talks to like that and just questioning everything about what you're doing, what actual value you're providing to the world and to the people around you. And that's just an interesting thing to kind of take in, consider what you're actually thinking about, the legitimacy behind it, and whether or not it's something that's actually substantial. And a lot of the times it isn't.
0: Mm. It's so fascinating because I think at times, especially depending on the different generations that you talk to, and if someone is really jaded or has had an experience with one individual from a specific generation, then they end up lumping an entire generation together. And so Mm -hmm. when you're talking about that content creation and those inner gremlins, they can travel with us throughout our entire career because I appreciate you sharing your age and letting the audience know that at this point early on when you're still trying to navigate and where to place yourself and figure out your own personal brand, that that voice can keep you stuck for a very long time. Did you ever notice that amongst yourself or your friends when you're navigating that personal brand and then trying to get your footing in, whether it's starting your own business or within a startup company or within a larger corporation, does that hinder how you end up seeing yourself because you're almost being pulled in so many different directions? For sure.
1: So I think it's interesting too, because I work remotely. And because of that, the way I position myself and the way I see myself is pretty much what I'm going to be running with throughout the duration of the day. So I'm not getting positive or negative affirmation from others a lot of the time. So I really have to be careful with like the narrative I've, I'm driving within myself. And for example, if a lot of the times I will say, oh, I'm going to try to make it a priority today to like put myself out there to the world, engage with others. And make that a big part of what I'm doing in addition to like my day-to-day work. And then it's something that I sometimes will talk myself out of because of like that negative voice that I mentioned earlier about like, oh well, for example, I work adjacent to NFTs, which is crypto very interesting. It's it's a interesting culture, it's very like broke culture, and a lot of the people in the space are they speak with a lot of authority. So if you're somebody who's newer to this space, and even though you spend all day, every day learning about it, you might still question yourself. And I think a lot of the times, too, it's tough to really feel confident in what you're putting out
0: there. And that's something that I definitely struggle with. I love the term bro culture. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's one of those where it's so fascinating because I know for me, when I was in my residency program, and now looking back, there was such a bro culture with specifically certain specialties within dentistry and it happens within medicine and it happens with any profession and so when we label that bro culture I know for me I felt like I had to show up different at times and that's where I lost a part of me because I felt like I needed to fit into their expectations instead of setting my own expectations and saying okay how can I show up for me so as a woman in crypto In NFT world, in that aspect where there's the bro culture and it seems to be still very predominantly male dominated, what would you say to other women who, again, their inner gremlin is saying, well, you can't pick this up fast enough or you're not going to be able to learn it or you're not the expert where that imposter syndrome comes in? What advice and what information can you give to them with you being in that field right now? Yeah,
1: I think positioning yourself and like the way you approach your day is really, really important. So a lot of the time you can start your day coming from like a mindset of just getting things done, going under the radar or attacking the day, um, leading conversations and things like that. And even just listening to a podcast in the morning or reading a book or something like that kind of can just get you more excited about it. But also like finding a community is really important because there are a lot of great like. Female founded organizations like within crypto, and also having sponsors like throughout the industry. Like, for example, my boss and our CEO is like a great sponsor for me. He's always willing to like help promote me and build me up like within that field. And that's something that's obviously really important. There's been a bunch of studies on sponsorship, that's no secret. But it's also very interesting with like the digital world and even with crypto, where a lot of people will have like an anonymous profile.
0: There's like that brings in a whole
1: other aspect of
0: things. So finding that community and I really appreciate how you said there's the women run businesses as well or women communities, but then there's also the men. And this is where I really appreciate that distinction where the men who support women in that journey from that mentorship, that sponsorship as well. And when you have that support and you start building that community, do those inner gremlins start to quiet down a bit?
1: I think they do sometimes for a smaller portion of time than I would want. A lot of the times you'll be able to kind of get like a little confidence boost and then in the long run, you might still struggle because again, there's always things that are going to be showing up and surrounding you and making you question it. But another aspect of that too, is you might find authority and like get rid of the inner gremlin in one field or like one very specific niche. If you get a lot of credibility in that and you have people building you up, but it doesn't mean that it applies across the board to everything, which is why sometimes it's more about getting that mindset rather than getting the external validation from others.
0: Yeah. Oh, Kate, you just hit such a key point (laughs) when it comes to internal versus external validation. And a part of imposter syndrome is even though you have those accomplishments, as soon as you maybe shift different fields or you're given a new project or you're trying something new, it's like, all of your credibility you completely discount because it's brand new and it's challenging. But we forget that a lot of our skills are completely transferable. We just need to figure out how. And when we're in those instances, that internal validation becomes so important, that mindset, the difference of letting the day kind of run you versus you attacking the day or setting intentions for the day. When you're navigating those Different challenges because being really early on in your career and in a really relatively new space, still, how do you kind of <laughs> knock down those gremlins? Because there's so many different levels and layers that are brand new for you.
1: To be honest, it's definitely something I'm still like every day navigating and coming from a place too of maybe having more external validation when you're at school or you have like a strong community within your college or whatever groups you're in. You have a lot of that stuff coming externally and then it's harder to find it moving forward. But connecting with the communities is like a very good thing. And I also just like to look at how everything stems and like the origins. And I know I mentioned to you earlier, my interest in like early career, early childhood things within gender and how that also impacts like the long-term affiliation with things. So for example, when it comes to investing or maybe seeing the way that you feel confidently within the space of understanding the valuation of like what you have, if you're buying things and selling them online from a young age, you're gonna be more understanding of how to do that in the long-term.
0: It sparked the conversation which you and I initially started talking on a few months ago which is where does that belief system come from, especially for women? And we're going to differentiate, not saying that this happens across the board all the time, but where do these subconscious belief patterns start to embed themselves right from the get-go? And so there is a distinction, and one of the things that we had talked about was Investing in little kids' toys, so little boys' toys, little girls' toys, and what that looks like. So, can you touch on, because I know what we had talked about was Barbies versus baseball cards and types of shoe investments and stuff. So, I want to hear your point of view on that. And so, that gives us more information of where did this belief subconsciously embed itself into our mind?
1: I know that's some, like, I definitely struggle with believing in the value of my take on things like investments sometimes. And usually they end up being correct. So it's it makes me realize, yeah, I should really question this. Because if you've been investing from a young age, which is kind of a way to perceive something, if you've been buying um, baseball cards, or you've been getting Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards, and that was when you were younger, and you understood the idea of value behind what you had, you began learning those skills of understanding exactly like the valuations of what you had, and even just genuinely seeing like the stuff that you're connecting yourself to has an overall importance and it actually does directly relate to the world and the way that you're going to do financially later on. And if you know that like what you have is a value, you're probably going to perceive yourself as more valuable in itself. It's just like a psychological thing. And if men or boys are more likely to be surrounded by valuable toys growing up, or that's what they're spending their time with. And they're able to even invest in it and make money out of it in the long term compared to something that's less valuable. For example, like I would have Barbies and I just ended up giving all them away. And yes, there's some that are like collector sets or things like that, that you can actually see value in. But a lot of the things that like women have growing up, don't have much market value, especially like secondary resale, but inherently it's something that they just give away afterwards. And you're less likely to like build affiliation with your things and therefore like a passion for investing and even just understanding that everything that you're surrounded with, like you should have value for, you should care about it because it's gonna be a reflection on how you see yourself. This is
0: so good because I know for me, there were times where having conversations about money, about investments were very challenging. And yet I know my counterparts around me didn't feel, my male counterparts around me didn't feel as uncomfortable. And I know a part of this, and I remember talking to one of my coaches about this, is when I'm having a conversation about money and I feel awkward I'm the only one who's awkward in that situation. It's not I'm perceiving that open dialogue or that blank space in time where someone's thinking as being awkward and awkwardly filled. And so when we go back to that psychological component of understanding value instead of just giving things away or giving our time and our energy and our space away We need to really start to hone in on, well, what is our value and what time do we want to apply to certain situations, whether it's work, to our personal life and stuff. So what would you say for the woman out there who has, especially with you being in NFTs and cryptos and there's a lot of conversation around money, what would you recommend to other women out there who are still uncomfortable talking about Asking for money or asking their value or just having conversations about money.
1: I listen to the Financial Feminist podcast, which is, I know how fully really connected Tori Dunlap. She's great talking about it. But honestly, just peeling the band aid off and having conversations about it and building that comfort. Like it's probably not going to be super natural from the get go. Like whenever you talk about things for the first time, even if it's something that's like exciting and not taboo, you're probably going to have a little bit of discomfort entering the conversation, but just recognizing like the things that may have changed the way that you're framing a conversation in your mind, and then understanding that you're kind of having to fight through that, at least at the beginning, to be able to have those conversations and be able to enter the whole idea of thinking about how things work is really important. So like, for example, when it comes to negotiations, and that's another thing that I think can be impacted by gender. And this, like, I haven't done a study on this or anything like that. But it's interesting if you think about, like, what your first job may have been growing up, like, did you have the opportunity to negotiate a salary or not even a salary, but you're less likely to negotiate for like babysitting and if you're doing some kind of like landscaping or yard work because you're not working directly like with an outsourced like third-party organization compared to like a family and it's just a different dynamic so thinking about those different things that may have happened already in your life that would question you to think twice before asking for a raise or think twice before thinking it's okay to talk about money like it might be a family thing origin store just like the people you're surrounded with and the culture you're a part of but recognizing what may prevent you from doing that and then understanding why that had an impact on you and why it doesn't need to have that impact on you anymore, but you can still understand and cope with it and then move forward.
0: That discomfort that you described is, I feel like, the most challenging part when you're talking to someone about moving through the discomfort. Do you have any suggestions on when you're starting to have those conversations on how to be okay with the discomfort?
1: it's a tough thing for me to vocalize because I for some reason have just always been fine with discomfort um so it's not really something that I like had to overcome or like find experience with I like to be very like forthcoming and saying like oh I haven't talked about this before like so sorry if I like I might say something that's like not a normal response but it's just because I'm new to this conversation I'm excited to be having it and like I want to be vulnerable in it I don't want to put up a front and not actually have the conversation and just put on like a front like I am having the conversation but really it's me robotically responding and saying what I think I should say because if you're being authentic and navigating something for the first time you're probably gonna be a little awkward and if you're gonna be a little awkward that's fine and just recognize it and even communicate it to other people so you're not worried about how they're perceiving you because you said this is how I'm probably going to come off and you know get ready for it
0: yeah Ah, I love that. So discomfort's not a bad thing. You can totally own it and be able to move through it. For the women out there who have had an interest in NFTs and crypto, but their inner gremlin is keeping them away, saying that, oh, it's not something that you can pick up or it's not for you. What would you say to that woman's inner gremlin?
1: I'd say let it feed you. It gives you a unique angle, too. Sometimes entering with that idea of like, oh, I'm the underdog and I'm fighting against all these, you know, the patriarchal backings of some of these institutions. It's an interesting way to approach it. And you have an automatic way to relate with a lot of people as well. So like finding the community that really speaks to you, understanding where you can thrive and where you still are kind of needing to survive and (laughs) be more tactful than just finding your people. The Surge Women is a great resource that does content like specifically for um, women in the industry. The company I work for, New Street, is sneakers, NFTs, and trading cards. And we do sneaker, um, we do data, Educational resources, learn content, insights and everything like that. So just trying to bolster the conversation around these things and making it more approachable for different types of people, but just understanding that there are a lot of resources out there. And even if the first few people you reach out to maybe about trying to learn more engaging communities aren't responsive, people are out there like wanting to work with you and hear from you and see your excitement in the space.
0: So don't give up after the first try. And I think that that's where rejection can be that discomfort that is even more overwhelming than that initial discomfort of even ripping the band-aid. So go out, find those people. If you don't find the people on the first set, you can still keep on looking. It doesn't mean that it's the end and that you shouldn't. Ali, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I feel like you've got a really grounded mindset, especially at your age. And I think that that helps immensely to be able to share with others, knowing that you can start to navigate those challenges and those inner gremlins from any age. It doesn't have to be at a point until you're just before owning a business or CEO. It can come throughout our entire life. Is there anything that you would like to share with the audience as kind of a last little tidbit around inner gremlin stuff?
1: Honestly, this is just like a general thing, but really about the people you're surrounding yourself with i think that's incredibly important because sometimes you might think something's in an inner gremlin and it might actually be sourced in the people you're surrounding you're surrounded by you can be surrounded by people who are building you up and helping you defeat that or they can be like the source of it so just taking a good solid look at the people you're around um you know i've had friends who have incredibly empowered me in a variety of ways and then other people who made me less inspired and less feeling confident in myself so that's a big thing to take away And also just having like the authority to educate yourself in whatever you're interested in, because there are so many resources out there and being able to identify with the content you're surrounding yourself with and making sure that it's what you're actually interested in um, is really important. But yeah, just surround yourself with educational resources and get hyped about it. It's a cool and interesting thing
0: to do. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. You summed that up so well. Thank you again for your time today. I'm going to be honest with you, at Ali's age, all I wanted to do was fit into dental school and make it through. In doing so, I lost a part of me because I felt like I needed to fit a certain mold and box, which (laughs) I'm not going to lie, it didn't work for me. I had very similar feelings when Web3 and the metaverse became something new, and once again, I found myself intimidated and feeling like I needed to change me to become one of the bros to figure out what the heck is Web3 and the metaverse. But connecting with women like Allie on podcasts like Speak Kindly You're Listening is what gives us the strength to realize that you too can step into a different world still as your unique self without having to shift again to fit into a bro culture or a quote-unquote a man's world. Cue song by James Brown, it's a man's 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 world. As an aside, since we're in the Web3 space right now, I wrote an editorial piece for the book Women of the Future, which you should totally check out. Key takeaways from today. One, seeking internal validation will silence the need for external validation. Remember, internal validation is what comes from you, from within. It's consistent, reliable, and easily accessible. External validation comes from others. And if that is the only thing you are seeking, then you never give yourself the opportunity to build your confidence. Don't get me wrong, if a friend compliments you or a coworker says, great job, Yeah, you get to store that and use that to build your confidence too, but it can't be the only thing. Because external validation is inconsistent, unreliable and fleeting, you don't know when it's coming next or what it actually will be. So what can you rely on? Your inner voice. Number two, who you surround yourself with affects your voice and ultimately allows you to thrive. So go on and find that environment, place and space where not only do you get to grow, but that you get to thrive as well. Every episode will have a reflection question, and this is yours for today. What will you do this week to step into your unique self? When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at com. As a reminder, the Speak Kindly your Listening Book Club starts in January. Don't forget to sign up. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself Would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.